New Zealand and this is a podcast called The Days the Music Died and the person who's going to expand on this today is local musician and philosopher Mark Patterson. <laughs> Thanks Dave. <laughs> Over to you Mark just to expand on this title, The Days the Music Died. Uh, sure. I've just been a little bit fascinated by this because um, in recent in, in recent years and in recent months, we've seen a few stories about how streaming services are killing the music industry, and it made me look back a little bit to the early days in the twentieth century. Okay. And um, and when I started thinking about it and researching it, I discovered that yeah, the music nearly died multiple times over the last um, over the last hundred years or so. Okay. So just going back before recorded music, is that what we're talking about? Recorded or broadcast music, to be more specific? Yeah, I guess I'm interested in the time from about 1900 on um, where we get a little bit complex if we go too far back beyond that, but I'm thinking about the time when the most common way that people heard music was from sheet music, and that meant that somebody was playing the sheet music. And so the most common way to hear music was um, for sheet music to be sold to someone that played it. Right. And um, there was quite a big change that came in, or two changes that came in after that, really. Mm -hmm. And one of the first ones was the starting of radio stations. Everybody's voting for the friendly voice. And so um, at that point there was, there was quite a lot of discussion about is this the end of music and musicians. Right, okay. And why would that have been with the start of radio? Were, were they thinking that it was just going to be dialogue and no music or, or what? Well, I think in the early days, uh, the radio stations preferred to use live musicians because they sounded better. So there was um, like a, a, an uptick for the musicians because they had jobs in the radio stations. Right. And possibly it wasn't so good for the people that were writing the sheet music because now if a family was sitting at home, they didn't need the sheet music to enjoy the music they could listen to the radio station ah. so already in the early in the early 20th century there was a little bit of conflict between the way that music was delivered from the person that wrote it to the person that listened to it right so the music industry for want of a better term that existed what around the turn of the century was hit pretty hard by the advent of radio stations Yes, it, it was, and the, that was the that was one of the first times that you could look in history and see people with differing um, views on what was beneficial. So most people would think that having music broadcast into your, into your home instead of having to go downtown, buy the sheet music, and then come back and play it was going to be beneficial to you. But the people that had written that sheet music they were thinking, oh, hang on, this isn't so good because we're not going to sell so much of it. Right. So 
again, looking at the technicalities of it, copyright, if the music was played by a live band in the radio channel, a radio mm -hmm. station, mm -hmm. did the musician who had written that music get any recompense for that? Well, that, that sort of varies a little bit, and the record companies had a bit to do with it, and the, the government got involved in it at, at one stage. And, um, yeah, it certainly, it certainly meant that people that were playing music as opposed to writing it were getting more benefit. Even if they were paying a royalty on it, it wasn't as much as if they'd sold a thousand, um, a thousand copies of sheet music. And back in these days, you could you could sell millions of um, of copies of sheet music if you had a successful song. All oh, right, okay. And are there any obvious ones from from that pre-radio? Um, era that that we can think of, or was it the classical sort of stuff, uh, classical composers, or no? I think it was more the musical sort of stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So, um, no, Dave, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I might look at moving on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, the the music could have died to the extent that. What the industry, the industry for want of a better term, shrunk and yeah. Well, that that's that that was the the first. I, I suppose now, a hundred years later, we look back on it and think that was a minor example. But the next thing that happened was the invention of recording, mm -hmm. and so uh, another day of of music death happened. Right. Okay. So, how did the first recordings? Occur. What did they do? Was it well, wax, wax imprints or what? Recordings were available to um, to radio stations. Guess who didn't have any work anymore? The musicians live in the studio, right? And so the the pathway for a a, prof a person to be a professional musician was then closed off because the radio could play. They were seventy eights back in the days, yeah, and um, they could play seventy eights and play them repeatedly and they would go directly into people's homes. But to, to make a recording, somebody only needs to do it once. So instead of playing the same song every night, five nights a week for a year, yep. the musicians get to play the song once and from then on it gets streamed into everybody's home. So there was a bit of concern for musicians at that stage. So the first death of music, if you like, was the fact that songwriters um, weren't going to be selling their sheet music. The second one was that band players in, in radio stations um, were taking away, were, were being removed. Right. So how did that get broken? How, how did that... Nexus get broken? Well, one of the streams that, that runs through the 20th century with music is the fact that music won't die. It, it, it won't ever die because people still need it and still find ways to listen to it. 
So along with the fact that, that the musicians weren't needed in the radio stations because they could broadcast music, the next thing that happened was that the, um, the record companies started to develop better record players so that people could have a choice now of making their own music from sheet music, which they didn't do very much, right. or listening to a radio, or buying a piece of recorded music for themselves. Right. So um, already it's a kind of a, a little bit of a, a, power, um, a power shift that's going on there. So yeah. originally it was the person that would sit down and write the music that had the power. Then a bit later on, it was the person that could play the music in the studio. Yeah. And later on, it was the person that could make the record and distribute it that yeah. had the power. Now, records seem to me to be absolutely revolutionary. I mean, I've no doubt that these processes are all revolutionary. Mm. Um, radio stations starting is just, you know, a fantastic development. Mm. But I can remember from my childhood in the 50s um, and early 60s having these wind-up gramophone things that played 78 records. Yeah. And it, the needle was part of the... Yeah, the part of the soundscape. This big conch or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't all, they weren't all 78s. There were, there were parts of Europe and, and uh, Britain that had records that played at 80 or 100. Goodness. So, and even the way the needle um, fitted in the groove wasn't completely clear. Some... some um, some record, some playback processes used a side-to-side -side needle movement and some used an up-and-down needle movement. Right. So eventually things did settle down and they, they, they settled down to the, to the speeds that we know at the moment, the 78 and the 45 and the 33 and a third, and the needle settled down to the up-and-down movement and the groove. Okay. So the the development of records would have been an actual fact on the face of it, an actual boon to the musicians and to music generally, would it not? Well, possibly, except for the fact that a, a, a musician only needs to play once to make a record that might be played a million times. Right. Whereas back in the in the earlier days, they might have to go, in the sheet music days, they might have to go on tour and play it at every little... Um, music theatre there was and they could never play it a million times whereas once it's recorded it can be played a million times yeah. so there's a couple of things that happen either either you're going to start recording more and more music or the, the opportunity to record music is going to be a bit smaller okay so what happened what happened next well uh, that uh, along the way, jukeboxes were kind of accused of yeah. killing music. Ah. And if you think about a jukebox being a, a cross between a radio station and a, a record, yeah. um, it, jukeboxes were killing music because people were choosing not to buy the record. They'd just go and listen to it in the, at the jukebox. And the people that made the money from the jukebox were were just in the like the early video game days were the people that owned the jukebox rather than the person that made the music. Oh my goodness! I mean, I can remember these fantastic setups in in milk bars, as we used to call them, where yeah, at, at, right. at each table there would there would be a, a selector where you could select your song. You didn't even have to go up to the jukebox. And and now you get those jukeboxes that are. 
that are, look like a jukebox and they've got lights and buttons and everything, but there's not a disc inside there. There's only <laughs> electronic oh, um, adaptations of it. So I think I think the next thing that started killing music happened um, in the 70s, perhaps, right. when, when cassette recorders started coming in. Okay, so just just to capitalise on records, mm. I mean, records had become fairly monumental in their widespread yeah sure. around the world, had they not? Yeah, 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 and there was. Um, one of the things about a record was you could put it on and off when you wanted to, play it as loud or as quiet as you wanted, yeah. play which tracks you wanted. You weren't at the mercy of the radio station choosing what you wanted to play. Yes, good point. And as the record, um, as the record industry grew, the quality of the record players grew as well. Right. So there was a time when there was quite a... A, a huge difference between the quality of music that you got over the radio and the quality that you got from the record. Right. So having, you know, got this mass way of getting music out, um, why would the development of cassettes um, be another potential killer of the music? Well, I think it's, a, it's another little power shift because... Now, if I wanted to listen to a particular band, I didn't have to buy their record. I could wait for my friend to buy their record and record it and give it to me. On a blank tape? Yeah. Right. And so there was a bit of, that, that was a bit of concern. That, that, there was concern from the musicians themselves that said, if you like our record, go and buy it. And from the record companies that were thinking, hang on, what's going on here? We, we make these records and then people just put them on cassette tapes and share them around. Right. And, and I mean, basic um, tape players that people had had two areas, one, one where you could play a tape and one where you could record as well. Yeah. And was this a fairly early version of the tape player that they could record or did the early tape players just have a one slot to play an actual tape of music? Yeah, I, the earliest ones that I can recall always had a recording function with them. Right. And um, I think there's a particularly sweet thing about cassette tapes and that is... Um, that is the idea that it fanned quite a bit of romance because if you were interested in someone, you'd make them a mixtape of your favourite songs. Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art, many do's and don'ts. First of all, you're using someone else's poetry to express how you feel. And this he is could say, hey, thing. I've made a mixtape for you. And it meant a little bit more than I've made a mixtape for you. It's kind of a bit like Netflix and chill now. <laughs> okay, so if the music was dying, romance wasn't. Well, that's right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. This is quite devious. Uh, I didn't realise you were such a lover. Yeah, I, I didn't make many mixtapes, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, in in what respect do you see that the advent of the tape player was killing the music? It, it meant that there was one record might um, produce a hundred tapes that went around. Uh, That's right. So, so, um, so the story was um, the official story from the musicians and the record company was, gee, 
it's going to make us harder to, to record music and make music now because it's so easily available to everybody. They don't have to pay $7.99 for an LP now. They can share the $7.99 amongst 10 people. And um, the story was that that was an, another time in music where the, the power shifted. Right. Now, just as an aside, and, and it is an aside, the, the, the tapes, it seems to me, were often quite imperfect. And, and I mean, I spent half of my life, it seems, trying to mm. rewind tapes that had become unravelled for some reason or other. Wait, did you use a pencil, Dave? That's right. Like, who hasn't? You know, yeah. So, get the tape out, get the pencil, make yeah. sure it's the pencil's right, and let's spin the pencil around to wind the tape back in. Yeah, so was it inferior technology, the tapes? I mean, were they destined to be superseded fairly quickly? or um, Musically, perhaps, yeah, because right. the, the, the machine that you use for, for um, rotating them was, was bound to be making a noise. But a lot of tapes were played in cars, and it didn't really matter too much. Um, interestingly, tape hasn't hasn't disappeared. Um, it's used as a it's it's used as a um, a long term memory for computers. All right. So, if you if you really really want to save what you're doing on computer, the chances are that you'll buy a a, a computer tape machine. Okay. All right. Hmm. Okay, so the ta the tape the advent of the tape meant that not many people, as before, were buying the recorded music of musicians. Possibly, yeah. yeah. That, that's what supposedly. Yeah, so that was like another day the music died, and I was we're getting a little bit closer to to modern days and um, the the time when music was was changed from analog into digital and it could be played on a computer without a tape or a record player or sheet music was the next time. Okay. Can you explain the analog and the digital difference because that's something that I've never totally grasped. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not an expert on that either. No. But I think, I, think it's, I think if you think about a record, you have a... Um, the simplest way to think about it is that you've got a, a, a groove with a, a little piece of diamond that's vibrating in that groove. So it's a very, it, it's a very um, physical and understandable thing that's happening with the music. If you've got cassette tape, you've got um, mag magnetism on the tape that is then generating an electrical signal rather than having the diamond move in the groove. Um, but once you go to digital, where you take away those physical aspects of it, you make it easier for music to be spread around. Right. And so the, the, the time when music went digital was another source of alarm for record companies and for artists, because now it wasn't just the... the, the um, the crickety old cassette tapes that were being used to swap things around, it was as easy as using a USB stick. Right. Okay. And so all of a sudden the person that made the music somewhere was no longer really in charge of how it was going to be shared. 
Right. And one of the thoughts was, well, the people that are making the music are going to be poor or they're not going to make it. But as, we, as we've seen, <laughs> it didn't stop and the music didn't die. So one of the threads that we've got going through this, um, this little talk is that music won't die, no, no matter what... No matter what power shift happens or what hurdles yeah. that come in the way, music keeps on going. See, and, and I would have thought that, you know, closer to modern times would have been the most worrying time, for want of a better term, that you've got... Um, you know, every time that I received a copy of something from someone, I had this moral dilemma that, mm -hmm. that the musician wasn't getting anything for it, and people would give them to me as you know payment in lieu of money or were they mixtapes, Dave? Or no, 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 <laughs> no, no, not mixtapes. <laughs> No, but I once received a, a whole set of um, Elvis um, records, sure. and, and you know they even the covers were sort of photocopied and so forth. <laughs> so they all looked totally genuine, and I, and I felt bad for Elvis, except he was dead. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> No, so I didn't realise. No, it, it, it. yeah, of course, and and people, um, and and I was just reading this morning. So people have this kind of moral dilemma now. So I, I was reading somebody that listens to Spotify, and they say uh, someone with a, a similar moral um, a, a moral standing like you have, and they said if I listen to an album more than five times on Spotify, then I make sure I buy it. All right. So um, Spotify and streaming services are the latest way that music might be dying. But as you can tell from the, the thread of this talk, is that we don't think music is going to die. No, it's it's thriving. So just to, just to step back half a step, Mark, this, the CD revolution, um, where is that placed in terms of uh, the music potentially dying? Because it seemed to me that there were a whole lot of CDs out there and you could play them in your car. And Yeah, that's that's right, yeah. So I had a request from a teacher who wanted to record her voice onto the computer and then burn that voice recording onto a CD. So here's how you Perhaps do it. I missed that out. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely a step after the um, after the cassettes. Right. And and as you say, the, the CDs didn't have the same um, the same um, clunkiness, and you didn't you didn't need to get a pencil to rewind a, a, um, a CD, did you? No, but also, and again, it may have been my technological ignorance, but there didn't seem to be an obvious opportunity to record. CDs to burn them. Um, when did burning was burning a CD available right from the word go, or was no, that something that no. just evolved? Yeah, it, it, it evolved, didn't it? So, at first, it was it was kind of quite a special thing to be able to burn a CD. Yes, but um, pretty quickly that, that technology, as happens with all technology, it started out really expensive, and then all of a sudden it was ubiquitous. Yeah. And now, um, and then it dies out. And now most laptops don't even have a, a CD player or a CD burner on them. No, no. So where do the musicians and where's the music and all of this? This, this is, 
we we are living in an absolutely revolutionary time technologically mm. for all sorts of things you know and mm. in, in areas so and music seems to have been one of them so were you ever pessimistic you sound like an optimist for a start off that mm -hmm. you, you've sort of cottoned on to the fact that the music is not going to die no. but but if someone thought it was going to die when this um, modern technology, for want of a better term, came in, what were people pessimistic about? Well, one of the, one of the ways to be pessimistic is to have a look at your Spotify account and see what each song generates. And um, you see it usually starts with zero and then it's got a decimal point and another couple of zeros and maybe a one, two, three or four after that and, and a dollar sign right at the start. So a, a Spotify song is generating you um, less than a cent. Per play. Per play. Mm. Right. And if you're, if you're at the bottom of the Spotify heap, like I am, then you're not getting very much for, for each play. And the money that you are getting is being taken off by the streaming service. Let's not just talk about Spotify. There's, there's 15 or 20 streaming services. Okay. And as well as that, um, there's YouTube, which I think generates even more listening time than, than Spotify does. Yeah. So um, you could get quite depressed if you looked at that at that dollars zero point zero zero three for for each stream. Mm. On the other hand, you you have access to a lot more music than you used to. So once upon a time, we used to rely on the record companies to choose our music for us and to say, this month, we've got these songs for you. And we've selected them because our A&R people have done that. Yeah. Well, now we don't do that. We've got an absolute plethora of people coming on and, and producing songs and music and so mm. forth. So, and I think, that, I think that that's a good thing. Yes, yes, yeah. there's got to be magic. I mean, far from the music dying, mm. musicians are coming out of the woodwork, are they that's not? That's right, yeah. yeah. That's right. And, and not only... Um, and there, there are a couple of interesting modern phenomena that, um, that it's worth noting just before we wrap things up. And, and one is the possibility of artificial intelligence creating music, which is starting to happen a little bit. some phantom artists that don't really exist and some artificial intelligence artists right. that don't really exist you could also feel a little bit uh, a little bit negative about things but 
at, at the heart of it, musicians making music and making something that has something to say and reaches into your brain or into your heart is is happening more than it ever has and people are listening to it more. Great. Now, just one of my final questions is this, that it seems to me that there are many fringe, in inverted commas, artists who sure. go on tour, who, who yeah. play venues that people have got to know mm -hmm. via mass media mm -hmm. um, streaming uh, services. So, do do you see as a musician that um, it's there are more live performances as a result of? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that um, there there are two kinds of ways that that happens. First is like you say the the unknown ones that follow a, a, a circuit that is a bit more alternative, and then you've got the um, then you've got the older ones that are looking for an alternative income stream because they're not getting so much from the records as they used to and they're not putting out any new records and so they are going on a different circuit. So at, at this time I think there's more chance to hear live music than ever before and perhaps, if we think about it, perhaps it's come around full circle. Right. That when we started our talk we were thinking about the early days of the 20th century where the only way to hear music was to go and um, buy the sheet music and play it yourself or listen to somebody playing it. Yes. And now here we are where we've got more music than ever and we can choose how we want to listen to it. Fabulous. So just to finish, Mark, a very interesting discussion. Cast your mind to the future. Mm. What do you foresee... Is it possible to foresee the next development? Is it this artificial intelligence? Is something else going to come along that's going to give us pause for thought and then take music in another direction again? I'm, I'm always hesitant to make predictions about the future because I, I, I listen and watch so many people make predictions and they kind of sometimes lodge in the back of my brain and um, I think that prediction was never right. Yeah. So I won't make a prediction, but I will, I will just reiterate that, um, that thread that we've got running through and that is that music will continue throughout the 21st century and won't die. That's a beautiful prediction, given my love of music and obviously the love that many people have for music. So, great. We'll, we will end on that musical note. All right. Thanks very much, Dave. Thank you.